Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Taylor Rapp, former Washington Husky defensive back, and you are tuned in to the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to the 29th episode, 29th installment of the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. I am your host, lone host today, Charles Hammaker, my friend. My co-host, Bennett, is not here with me today. Uh, I had some prior... Uh, Ob, uh, obligations, so he will not be joining us this week, uh, but he will be back next week, hopefully. So good to have him uh, around for a bit. Just couldn't join us this week. Let's just right into it. Um, getting into our Seahawks news in their game against the Bills this past Sunday. Let's just get right into the scoring. Uh, prior to kickoff at around seven nineteen a.m. The Seahawks uh, and head coach Pete Carroll agreed to a multi-year contract extension. That extension is going to keep him with the team through the 2025 season and effectively lay out the groundwork for him to be able to, be able to finish out his career as a coach and in general with the Seattle Seahawks. So obviously uh, some good news there. I would consider it good news, but um, the game, not so much. Um, the Bills started out at the scoring with a 25-yard pass from Josh Allen to Isaiah McKenzie with 13.35 left in the first quarter. Then they would get the ball back uh, after three and out from the Seahawks uh, and score another passing touchdown to Tyler Croft from one yard out with 7.35 left in the first. Heading in, you know, so off the bat automatically, already already down by 14 uh, in that first quarter. Uh, the Bills would make it 17 to nothing with a Tyler Bass 44-yard field goal with 11.22 left in the second. Russell Wilson would add a one-yard touchdown rush on a quarterback sneak, which we really don't see Russell uh, run the QB sneak very often. He doesn't really run the ball much anymore, which I disagree with, but that's something to get into here later. Um, so that would put the score at 17-7 to with 6.40 left in the second quarter. Gab- Gabriel Davis would receive a touchdown pass from Josh Allen from four yards out, making it 24-7 to with 4-3 left in the second. Jason Myers would add a 45-yard field goal to put it at 24 to 10 with 107 left in the second, and that is how we would go into half. Obviously, a big deficit, and just you know, uh, in the first half, and effectively in the game as a whole, uh, no no side of the ball really looked, no facet of the game for Seattle really looked like they were you know there to play that day. Didn't look prepared. Didn't look like they were ready to play this Bills team. But let's continue on with the scores. Tyler Bass would add a 22-yard field goal with 11.55 left in the third quarter, putting out the Bills up by 17. DJ Dallas would get a four-yard touchdown rush, uh, rush to put him up, put the Seahawks only down by 10 with 6.36 left in the third. Jason Myers would add a 44-yard field goal uh, with a minute 56 left in the third to put him within seven, uh, and that is how we would go into the third quarter. Obviously, you know, building some hope, like as the Seahawks have been in the past, sort of being the comeback kids in a way. But Zach Moss would have a one-yard rushing touchdown with 11.27 left in the fourth to put the Bills up by 14 again. Josh Allen would get a three-yard touchdown rush with 9.38 left in the fourth to then put the Bills up 21 to 20. I mean, to put the Bills up 41 to 20, sorry, 21-point uh, differential. Uh, David Moore would catch a touchdown pass from 55 yards out with 8.50 left in the fourth to put the Seattle down by 14 again. Um, but Tyler Bass would add a 31-yard field goal with 4.17 left in the fourth to put Seattle back down by 17 um, and just sort of make it seem more out of reach. DK Metcalf would catch 
touchdown from Russell Wilson from 70 yards out to put him down by 10 again uh, with 151 left. But at that point, your hopes are essentially squandered. Uh, and that is how the game would end, would end with a score of 44 to 34. 44 to 34, yes. Um, as I mentioned, just really a game that uh, the team really didn't seem like they were they were into it. They, you know, things just was slow. Obviously, in this game, the team recorded uh, seven sacks, which was good. You know, Carlos Dunlap had a good game. Um, Jamal Adams got a sack, you know, in his first game back after being out like a month uh, with an injury. But overall, it was just a really ugly game. Uh, 44 points is the most points allowed in the Pete Carroll era uh, for the Seahawks. Um, and it, it was just ugly. That's what it was. It was an ugly game. Uh, Pete Carroll made several comments uh, in his post-game press conference as well as the press conference that he had today on Monday uh, that I'm recording this. And it just, it's it was it was a head-scratcher, really. Um, it didn't It didn't make sense to me considering that he said that the team was that the defense had a, a game plan centered around the Bills rushing attack. And the Bills, as I mentioned uh, with Bennett in the last episode, the Bills have a really bottom of the pack, bottom of the league run game. They're not a running team. Josh Allen can obviously run the ball, but they're not a running team. They're not, you know, they don't pose the run. Uh, in terms of early down pass rate over expected in uh, 2020, they, you know, they're third in the league. Seahawks are first, Chiefs are second. It just doesn't make sense that you would game plan for a run game when the Bills, you know, you've got Josh Allen and they've got Stephon Diggs, John Brown, and Cole Beasley, and they like to throw the ball. It does not make sense that you would go and say that. Um, uh, well, he did. Pete Carroll did say also as sort of a funny moment. He said that uh, the Seahawks didn't have to announce. The, uh, his extension prior to the team allowing 44 points. But I don't know, just some of the comments were really interesting. Uh, he said that the the issues on defense in this game against the Bills were not on, were not on the coaching. They were on the, the players and not executing. Uh, he said the things that we had practiced, we didn't execute in the game. And that's just, that's, I don't know, the blitzing, you know, Pardon me. The blitzing just didn't make sense to me in several situations. I know he wanted to be aggressive, but um, he admitted that the um, jailbreak blitz, um, the A-man blitz on the third and sixteen, uh, when the Bills threw a screen, it was it was his call, Coach Carroll's call, uh, to run that blitz. And I don't, you know, they. From what I read, that the team the team ran a heavy amount of cover zero and cover one, which for a team that's been struggling in man coverage, and you know it's down Shaquille Griffin and Quentin Dunbar, I guess is dealing with a chronic knee injury. I guess that's something that just is a thing. Um, it's it's not something that you want to be doing, uh, especially if you've, you're having issues with the pass rush. Um, something else was interesting about. For those who are wondering why the Seahawks are playing so far back, the corners are playing so far back, giving so much of a cushion. Um, Carroll said, we've backed off more than we should have a few times and we were deeper than we should have been. Those are just technique principles. Um, about Quentin Dunbar, he said that he's really a guy who plays on feel and a different style than just a straight on the line of scrimmage press guy. 
that's not been the way he plays. So as we learn him and adapt to him, we are trying to figure out how to best position him. I don't know about you, but giving up 10 yards in cushion is not good, especially when teams have been taking advantage of that. I mean, if teams weren't, you know, passing to these guys who are getting the cushion, it fine. But if I'm a quarterback and I see that my guy on the outside has 10 yards free on first, second down, any down, I'm going to say, hey, you know, I'm going to take that. Just doesn't, you know, make sense to me. Um, it's, 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 you know, it, to me, it's questionable. Um, it's an issue, obviously, with the way that this offense has play, been playing. Obviously, Russell's been having a great year, but, you know, with the way DK's playing and Tyler Lockett and the offensive line and Damian Lewis, who's ranked highest, who ranked highest amongst all offensive linemen uh, in week nine and has been playing as a top five rookie in general in terms of pro football focuses ratings. Just a great solid guard out of LSU, and he's been playing a great game. The offensive line as a whole has been playing a great game. Uh, DJ Dallas had a solid week last week. He added a score this week. You know, um, it, it doesn't make sense to me. You know, the, the defense has been given up so much. And if you want to contend in the Super Bowl, obviously the league is more offensive driven now. But as we all know from Super Bowl 48, obviously that was a while ago, but defense wins championships regardless. When Philly played the Patriots in their Super Bowl a couple of years ago, what it, obviously Tom Brady had like 500 yards passing, but what did it come down to? It came down to a defensive play. Brandon Graham stripped Tom Brady of the ball, and that was the game. You know, it, it, it comes down to defense. Whether it's making a play or a, def- a defense being dominant, you know, whether it's our Seahawks defense being dominant against the Broncos or Broncos dominating the Panthers defensively. You know, it's the point being is this team needs to figure out what's going on. Pete Carroll is historically a defensive coach. And if you're a defensive coach, I don't know how you can look at a team that is looking to, is going to, well, they're on pace to put, allow the most yards ever by a 1,000 yard, by far far and away by 1,000 yards from uh, as compared to the Packers defense in 2011, who gave up like 4,600 yards, the Seahawks defense, is uh, on pace to give up 5,700. It's it's ridiculous. I mean, and, and I don't want to hear it's these. they don't have the guys. They don't have the talent on defense. If I, we look at the roster right now, at safety, you've got Quandre Diggs, Jamal Adams. Okay, those guys too alone. Just think about that. Ryan Neal has come and played amazing. You know, Ugo Amadi is a nickel, and he's he should be coming back. Oops, excuse me. Excuse me again. Um, obviously, this is when take the, take into account that this is when guys are healthy. Shaquille Griffin is your starting corner. By no means is bad. Quentin Dunbar, who normally you know had a good year last year, and has made plays this year. Trey Flowers, I guess, uh, according to Coach Carroll, has had the two best weeks of his career uh, against the Niners last week, and then the Bills this week. Um, at your corner position. Obviously, I mean, you could add someone there, you know, but that's, you know, that's that. Uh, in the linebacker spot, you've got Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright, who are two of the best in the business. And Jordan Brooks is still coming along as a rookie, you know. Uh, and the D-line has now Carlos Dunlap and Rasheem Green came back this week. Uh, Jerron Reed and Brian Monet and Puna Ford and Damon Harrison is in the wings. I'll get into that here in a second. 
uh, and Mensa Mioa will come back healthy at some point. The, the talent is there. I do not want to hear that the talent is not there. When talent is underperforming exceedingly for a consistent period of time, that's not on the talent. That is the coaching not putting them in positions to succeed. You can't sit here and have a Ferrari and just leave it in the garage or, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't make sense is what I'm trying to say. It does not make sense. So whether it's, you know, Pete, Pete, Pete's a loyalty guy. Pete Carroll's a loyalty guy and he's going to stick with, you know, his guys. He's going to sit there and try to make it work. That's why this offense this is well, not this offense, but the Seattle offense for so long struggled was because they kept Daryl Bevel around and he did not know what he was doing. Obviously, Schottenheimer has done a, a greater, a better job this week. I mean, not this week, but this year, this week, you know, really looked kind of weird out there. Questionable decisions. Um, and I don't know why you don't run the ball more with Russell Wilson. It's not like he's Peyton Manning. He can use his legs. You should be getting him read options and getting him at least some, you know, designated run plays because he knows how to make plays with his legs. You know, that that's a threat and you should be able to use that. But as I'm saying, this is a coaching issue. Obviously, I'm sure some of it's execution, but in in the vast majority of the issues that we can talk about, coaching is going to be at the center of that. <clears throat> So let's uh, let's get injure injure injuries. Pardon me. Um. Uh, prior to the game, Carlos Hyde, Chris Carson, Shaquille Griffin, Mikey Potty, Benson Mioa were all ruled out for Sunday's game against the Bills. Uh, on the Friday injury report, uh, the, when it came to injuries coming out of the Bills game, uh, Coach Carroll said that there were three main injuries, uh, coming out of the that game. Uh, KJ Wright, DJ Reed, and Brian Monet. Uh, he said that KJ Wright and DJ Reed were okay after their ankle injuries, but Brian Monet had a pretty good high ankle sprain. It's going to be a problem for him right away. So that really opens the door to see Damon Harrison get some time. He's been ready, uh, just been waiting to get a spot on the roster. Uh, they, they've said that they don't want to just force him onto the field when guys have been playing well. So this now opens the door to see uh, Damon Harrison make his debut with the Seahawks here against the Rams at 125. Uh, other team notes, last week against the 49ers, Bobby Wagner earned the NFC Defensive Player of the Week honor. This is the second time in his career that he's earned that honor. Uh, kind of interesting to see that, considering uh, Bobby Wagner is a sure Hall of Famer. Uh, the team signed Alex Collins to the practice squad and then would elevate him to play on the game on Sunday. He didn't really have much of an impact. Uh, Michael Kendricks was also added to the practice squad. The Seahawks cut Luke Wilson, uh, tight end, obviously longtime fan favorite. Uh, this was more than likely due to the fact that the team had been uh, calling other teams about potentially moving to Capalister prior to the uh, trade deadline, but were not able to do so, uh, as well as the addition of Kobe Parkinson to the active roster. This would Those two factors were uh, mainly what led to Luke Wilson being cut. And, uh, you know, we could find him back on the practice squad here. Uh, but at the moment, he is not with the current uh, active roster. Carlos Dunlap uh, had his contract reworked in the trade to acquire him. Uh, Dunlap will get a lower base salary, helping the Seahawks gain salary cap space. Obviously, this team is a little strapped for cash right now. Um, 
so that deal really did help them. Um, and finally, uh, oops, what I do? Russell Wilson filed a trademark for the phrase "Let Russ Cook." He intends to make trademarked uh, cookware and apparel. So certainly interesting there. Uh, Russell Wilson, smart guy, uh, taking this thing now. This this phrase that started with Seahawks Twitter and really blew up into, onto the national stage. Um, this is going out in there and getting that money. So you know, good for him. Um, he had a rough game this week. Obviously, uh, the numbers will be there. You'll see. He had. Uh, 390 yards, two touchdowns passing, uh, and a rushing touchdown. But yeah, he had two interceptions and two fumbles. So he really he had he didn't have a good game, you know. And you can say it was this or it was that, but uh, bottom line, those interceptions uh, were kind of questionable. I will mm-hmm. give up. I will admit the uh, the fumbles weren't exactly his fault. You know, 395 yards, two TDs normally is normally going to be fine. You know, but uh, the two interceptions, the two fumbles, obviously difficult. Um, DJ Dallas had seven attempts for 31 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and DK Metcalf led the team with seven receptions for 108 yards and a touchdown. Bennett did suggest last week that we do a uh, offensive and defensive MVP. I am going to put my offensive MB- MVP with title. I mean, DK Metcalf uh, another week with 100 plus yards and a touchdown. And defensive MVP, I'm going to give it to Carlos Dunlap. He came in and he had a solid week. He had a sack and some tackles for loss and uh, some quarterback pressure. So he really did come in and was effective in that game. Obviously, not the uh, outcome that anybody really wanted uh, on the Seattle side. But, you know, it's uh, even the best teams lose. And it's this is just a stepping stone for the team to sit there and say, hey, we really do need to get better and we need to get better fast. So we're going to take a quick look at the, uh, the schedule here. Obviously, next uh, up would be the – oh, pardon me. No, I will not do that. I have the coronavirus updates around the league. How fun that we get to do that in this pandemic. Um, the league at over the week had a mask mandate uh, – more information regarding that. Uh, face masks must be worn for post-game interactions uh, and in bench areas. Bench areas are now being expanded to help um, go with the social distancing. Um, on Wednesday, the 49ers had to shut down their team facility. There was issue and concern on the Seattle side uh, as the team had played the Niners the previous week. Um, the Niners had several of their um, players... I believe some of them had false positives, but there was initial worry. Uh, and coach, uh, GM John Schneider was really in contact with the Niners um, about what was going on, just so they would they could be cautious. Up until this point, knock on wood, uh, there hasn't been anything on the Seattle side, but it was still something to be worried about. Um, also on Wednesday, uh, coach, I mean quarterback of the Lions Matthew Stafford was placed on reserve, the reserve slash COVID nineteen list. On Sunday, he would be cleared. Uh, the morning of, uh, and was able to play. Uh, Baker Mayfield was also put on the list uh, on Sunday. Uh, we're waiting to see that. On Thursday, the Raiders were fined five hundred thousand uh, dollars. Coach John Gruden was fined one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and the Raiders lost their sixth round pick over COVID violations. So the league really came down hard on the Raiders. 
uh, as compared to the Titans, which I think is kind of questionable considering what the Titans did uh, in total and the fact that they were just not enforcing the mask mandate. So, you know, that's that. Uh, I, I'm sure the league is trying to set a precedent, you know, go and do the, the gui- follow the guidelines that need to be followed. But, uh, you know, sort of interesting to see what they did there. So let's look at the schedule here. Uh, looking ahead, the team sits 6-2 six, six and two currently, top of the NFC West. Their next game is this Sunday at 1.25 p.m., at the Los Angeles Rams, um, you know you win the first four games in the oh f- pardon me five games of the season. Player buy, uh, get your buy in week six, week seven you lose to the Cardinals. Um, we know, yeah, week seven you lose to the Cardinals. Week eight you beat the Niners, and week nine you lose to the Bills. So now you're looking at this remaining schedule of the Rams on s- Sunday the fifteenth. The Cardinals on Thursday night football uh, on November 19th. And then next week, week 12, you play the Eagles on Monday night. Uh, week 13, you play the Giants and the Jets at home. Eagles, The Eagles game is on the road, by the way. Um, week 15, you play the Washington football team on the road at 10 a.m. Uh, week 16, you play L.A. at home. And then you wrap up the season with the 49ers on the road. Um so in that, three, five, eight, yeah, sorry, had to count. <laughs> in that eight-game span, really, I think you really shouldn't lose any of these games. Um, if I were to predict, I would say you w- wouldn't lose this Rams game because you should, the team should really be upset at itself. Uh, from top to bottom, from coaching the the players, they really should be pissed off at what happened uh, against the Bills and come back and play a good game against the Rams on the road. But this is the division, and especially the NFC West this year. The NFC West every year is crazy, but this year, you know, especially, it's really difficult. So it's really important that the team is able to take care of business because if they lose to the Rams, I believe that the Rams could potentially jump them in the standings. Um. The Cardinals game, you should really look at what uh, what happened last time you played these guys as well as what other teams have done with Carolina um, and Miami beating them recently. Uh, and just, you got to, you got to, this division, you have to win your games. Uh, obviously, you beat the Niners and that was great, but you're one and one in the division so far and you really need to straighten that out. Um, and it'll really help you as you get into the stretch of you play the the rest of the NFC East, with the exception of Dallas, as you played Dallas early in the season, uh, and you play the Jets, you know, that's one. That's four games you should win, you know. Should obviously there are trap games in this league, but you know if you're serious about wanting to play deep in the playoffs and win the Super Bowl, you need to take care of these games and you cannot mess around. Uh, week 16 against the Rams, that's at home. Like I said, you really need to take care of business against these guys. You haven't really swept these guys in a long time. The, you know, Now has to be the time to do it. And then week 17 at the 49ers, I could see as a loss simply because if you do everything right and you take care of business and you win out with the exception uh, – if you win out until that game, then th- that could be a just rest your starters game at that season. Hopefully don't have to worry about bye week implications, uh, you know, seeding. But um, 
Yeah, that my 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 prediction is thirteen and three. Um, knock on wood. With the that other loss coming against the Niners on the road in week six, week seventeen, just because you know I obviously they're banged up, but you know as, as I said, every division game is important. So that is what we were looking at uh, next week against the Rams is going to be really big, uh, c- considering the two lot two losses in three weeks, um, as well as the fact that it's a divisional game. So just, you know, really need to take care of business. And it's, I know, I'm upset about this week because it really looked like nobody cared. And it was just, it was just terrible. There are words that I would use right now, but I'm not going to use them. You just really need to be better if you want to, you know, contend. If you want to contend and be serious about contending, you need to be better. You can't come out and say, oh, we weren't prepared for this. We can't, we weren't prepared for the pass against a team that passes exceptionally well. Uh, and doesn't run the ball. That's that. Uh, looking ahead into our... Oh, actually, I will stop this right now for an ad. Uh, going into our Mariners news, I still have the roster outlook coming for the upcoming season. Uh, that will be here. It's just not going to be here right now. But there, uh, over the past few weeks, uh, some Mariners did win some awards. So the... Golden Glove honors came out uh, last week on Tuesday, actually, uh, which was unfortunate because that was after I had recorded the episode. Uh, but J.P. JP Crawford and Evan White both won Gold Glove honors. J.P. Crawford, obviously, at shortstop, um, and Evan White at first base. You know, what's even more impressive about it is that Evan White is a rookie, and he didn't play uh, AAA ball. He didn't hit against AAA pitching. And to go in the majors in this weird year um, and not have faced triple a pitching. He hit, he hit some home runs, you know, it wasn't like he was absolutely atrocious at the plate, something to improve on, but you know, he still had a solid year. Um, but we're not talking about offense. We're talking about defense. Um, and for Evan white to come up as a rookie and win a gold glove as a first baseman and a rookie. That's uh, obviously the first marriage rookie to win a gold glove at first base. And it's just really, he's, I, Evan White and Kyle Lewis are going to be my guys going forward. Uh, it's, I do like Chibi Crawford as well, you know. Um, but it was really, really happy to see those guys win those awards. Uh, and then Kyle Lewis, finally. Um, finally, we got to hear the official news. A bunch of different uh, outlets had announced their pick for Rookie of the Year uh, for Kyle Lewis. Uh, but the final, the official AL Rookie of the Year award uh, was awarded today on Monday uh, on MLB Network to Kyle Lewis. He won unanimously. All thirty first place votes went to all thirty first place votes went to Kyle Lewis. Uh, Eleven ro- home runs, twenty eight RBIs on the year. He's the first Mariners Rookie of the Year since two thousand one. Uh, he had a home run robbery of the year candidate. Uh, just. If if you heard me talk about him before, uh, you already know what I have to say about Kyle Lewis. I was able to meet him uh, a couple of years ago. Just you know, left that mark on me, you know, and I, I being able to watch uh, the season, and you know, I can say that he will be a staple of this franchise for a long time. Uh, it's 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 truly great. 
it's I think it's amazing. So uh, that's our Mariner news for the week. Sounders, Seattle Sounders. Uh, uh, how do I want to say this? Well, on Sunday, it was a big day for Seattle sports because the Seahawks played, obviously, but then the Sounders had decision day. Uh, but let's get, let's get, let's go further back. Uh, in a game against the LA Galaxy, uh, a game that they were down from the 78th minute until the 90th minute. So it was it was a typically slow game. Uh, LA was playing for their playoff lives uh, on November 4th on Wednesday. Um, Chicharito scored in the 70th, 78th minute for the LA Galaxy, uh, but Raul would score a 93rd minute goal to tie it up and effectively eliminate, well, not effectively, but actually eliminate the Galaxy from the playoffs. Uh, and then on Sunday, uh, down to third place in the West, Western standings due to the points per game uh, model that the MLS following considering the season, the late game is lost to the uh, coronavirus. Uh, the third ranked Sounders would play the seventh ranked San Jose Earthquakes, and they would win four to one at CenturyLink Field. Uh, Nico Ladero scoring a goal in the 52nd minute. Raul Ruiz Diaz getting a 54th minute goal. Uh, so a little bit of thunder there within those two minutes. Uh, Jordan Morris adding a third goal in the 74th. And a cross from Jordan Morris uh, bouncing off of Marco Lopez to go into the goal as an own goal, uh, being the fourth goal. So they take second place in the Western Conference after, after uh, Sporting Kansas City, who, had, who was in first place prior, uh, was able to win their game by a score of 2-0. Uh, obviously did, the, did that. So the Sounders will face LA Ga- LAFC uh, in the first round of the MLS playoffs. Um, let me let me find out what day that is, just so I don't give any false information. Um, but, you know, it's uh, having Raul for this, the postseason as they will, is really huge. Uh, goal, guy's a goal machine and just kind of a spark. Um, not seeing it. Let me let me work on that while I I speak here. But yeah, having him uh, back, obviously there was a little bit of, of a scare, uh, considering he had COVID, but he has been deemed COVID recovered by the league, so he'll be back, uh, and it will be good. But um, it's it's uh it's exciting to see what's going on. The team has a little bit of time to prepare. Uh, they will face LAFC on Tuesday, November 24th at 7.30 p.m. on ESPN. So that will be, as we said, on Tuesday, uh, a couple of days before Thanksgiving. So they've got some time now to sort of prepare um, and sort of rest prior to that game against LAFC. Obviously, uh, if you know this club, you know there's some history there, uh, especially last season. Um, I believe LAFC is the seventh seed in this year's playoffs. So that's um, something to look forward to, and it's exciting. But for a couple of weeks, we will not have uh, our Sounders news for a bit. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But uh, certainly exciting, just a testament to this franchise and the success that they've seen over the years. Uh, seeing that continue is just something that's, you know, we can't really take a gra- take, can't really take granted of. Take for granted. Pardon me. Don't know what happened to my uh, speaking there. No storm news, no Kraken news, no Seattle Dragon news, but I do. Well, I have bad UW Athletics news. 
the Washington versus Cal game that was scheduled for Saturday was canceled due to COVID-19 issues. Uh, Cal coach Justin Wilcox said that the significant number of players who were sidelined due to contact tracing ultimately led to that. Uh, later on that day, Utah versus Arizona would also be canceled, so kind of dampered the uh, Pac-12 opener se- uh, weekend. Uh, and on Monday, Jimmy Lake would express disappointment in the Golden Bears COVID-19 protocols following the cancellation of that Pac-12 opener. I mean, obviously, if you prepare uh, to play and you get all excited and then you're not able to play, I would be upset too, you know, so... Um, they look forward to their game against Oregon State at, at home uh, here in Seattle uh, at 8 p.m. on Saturday. So uh, let's hope that everything goes well. And we will be prepared to go over that next week. Other than that, um, yeah, Bennett, I know Bennett would be here and he'd be uh, wishing you all well. But uh, we will get it back next week. Don't worry. Uh, I also want to say if you are all at all interested in Star Wars, uh, my friends Bennett and Omari and I have a podcast called I Have a Bad Feeling About This. It is a Star Wars podcast that kind of uh, got created due to The Mandalorian Season 2 being out this season and want to talk about that. So if you like The Mandalorian, if you like Star Wars, uh, look it up on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever you use. I have a bad feeling about this. Uh, and we put out episodes every Thursday. So I want to thank you guys. Um, if you listen to this part... I have some big, big, big things coming. So uh, if you're excited about that, you know, they're coming. So I want to thank you all, and I will see you all next Tuesday.